Hello and welcome back to The Brunch Files, where we serve up bottomless, brunch-worthy topics about life in your 30s. We're your hosts, Rachel and Tegan, and on the menu today, we're delving into long-term relationships, including the good, the bad and the ugly moments. But before we dive in, we just wanted to give everyone a reminder um, to give us a like or a follow on um, Instagram and TikTok. We're at thebrunchfiles.podcast. And if you have time while you're listening to this episode, if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this, that would be great. We really appreciate it. And it just helps us to sort of build and, and grow. Absolutely. And just a huge thanks to everyone that's been listening and sending us messages. Honestly, every time we get a follow or we look at how, if, uh, how many people have listened, we just message each other and we're like, oh my goodness, look at this. Like it literally uh, makes us so happy. So just a big, big thank you to each and every one of you who's been supporting us. So we thought before we dive in, um, we'd ask, uh, we'll just talk a little bit about our own relationships as a bit of um, an intro into, I suppose, where we're coming at this from. I just want to preface this discussion by saying that this is our perspective as you know, straight white women who have been married for three to four years respectively, but in relationships for a little bit longer than that. So we're by no means an authority on long-term relationships. No. We're not experts in this space. This is just our experience. And yeah, having not been married for 10, 20, 30, 40 years even, um, and not having children, you know, we'll be coming at this just from our perspective. That's it. So how long have you and Sean been together, Tegan? We've been together coming up to 11 years. Wow. Uh, and married for almost three. Mm-hmm. So... It's gone fast. That is 11 years. But it's a long time. <laughs> yes, it is. That's how much of a percentage of your life? No. <laughs> yeah, over a third of my life Yeah. now. Yeah. How and about you? Yeah, we are coming up to our fourth wedding anniversary. I had to have a think about this. I always say three years, but it's going to be nearly four. Um, and I think we were together for like two or three years before that. So what does that make it? Like seven years all up? I probably should really do the math. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> so what's your favourite part about being in a long-term relationship? It's a good question. I think it's just Andrew, like my husband. I just love him so much and I love spending time with him. I uh, would spend every minute with him if I could. Um, Sometimes I'm a bit clingy and I know. (laughs) Um, But no, I just, I think that beautiful um, comfortability of being with a person that knows you well, uh, that you can be your absolute self around. And I just feel like absolute security in Mm. my relationship, in my marriage, in um, the love we have for each other. And it's just such a a beautiful feeling, I guess. Mm. What about you? I'd have to agree with all of that. And I think what you said about comfortability. But I often say to Sean, sometimes if we're at home and just like, I don't know, listening to music, just dancing to music or doing something ridiculous, it's kind of, I'm always struck by the feeling like, isn't it so wild that you find someone who for all intents and purposes is like a complete stranger mm-hmm. and then you fall in love and you get into this relationship and then you would do and say and be things around them that you would not do with like your family mm-hmm. or anything. Like You just become so comfortable and I always feel kind of awestruck by that in mm-hmm. a way. I think there's something so incredible about being able to be your absolute self, mm. be as stupid, as silly, mm-hmm. as... Uh, emotionally vulnerable however mm-hmm. um, as ugly <laughs> as ugly as you want to be but literally that 
<laughs> actually, Andrew and I were housemates um, long before we got together. And so he'd seen me in my absolute like home sloth state constantly. Mm. And I think that was really nice. And I'm like, I ne- there was never that pressure. Oh gosh, I've got to put on makeup. I've got to, just because, he, you know, me and my trackies, no bra, getting mm. around the house, you know, for a couple of years before we even, you know, were um, on each other's radar from a relationship perspective. Um, mm. But I think that's, yeah, that's a benefit. And we actually asked a few um, of our listeners um, through an Insta poll about their favourite parts. Um, and I just want to read some of them because there's some really beautiful ones. And one that stuck out to us was comfortable silence. Oh, that's so, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Mm. But as someone who hates silence, yes, <laughs> it is kind of nice just to be able to sit. There's no need to fill the gap. Yeah. And you can and just peacefully coexist. Yes. Because sometimes Sean and I, you know, especially on like maybe on a weekend, if we've got a quiet afternoon or a quiet morning, we we're, have two living areas in our house and it's kind of pretty common for sometimes we'll just be like, he'll be upstairs doing whatever, I'll be downstairs doing whatever. Mm. And it's just like, I don't know, we both kind of consciously, we don't communicate that necessarily, but sometimes it's like, oh, we'll just go and like recharge or I'll go sit up next to him, he'll be playing the PlayStation or doing mm-hmm. whatever and I'll just be reading or scrolling or yeah. just hanging out. And yeah, you're not talking, but you're still like together, mm-hmm. but it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of like a choice. Yeah. And it's like, even when you go for a walk, like, mm. I mean, we'll often chat on our walks, but sometimes we'll just be walking in silence. And I'm like, I was thinking the other day we were, and I'm like, this is just, it's almost like it recharges you a bit, just being mm. able to sit with someone and not have to talk or mm-hmm. walk with someone and not have to talk. Mm. Um, yeah. Another one uh, was, yeah, complete and utter comfort, which we've touched on, um, knowing they'll have your back no matter what that, um, that kind of assurance reassurance yeah um you can walk around in your ugly tea and undies and they'll still tell you you're beautiful oh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, someone to rely on no matter what someone who you can be your worst self around Mm. and that's the other thing isn't it you know sometimes um (laughs) you know if you're having a really really bad day and you're upset and you're a mess but you can still do that around them and Mm. not feel pressure yep yeah no definitely Sean although (laughs) hates it when I do that is if I'm a bit cranky sometimes and People are like, oh, why are you, why are you snapping at me? It's like, it's, I'm not annoyed at you. Mm. I'm just annoyed. I'm just grumpy. Oh gosh, I did that this morning, leaving the house. And he was like, why are you speaking to me like that? I'm like, sorry, I'm stressed about this, and I was running late, and I missed my alarm, and we lost an hour of sleep. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really sorry. It wasn't actually. My frustration is not directed at you. Yeah, um, that's easy to do. That I think it is so um, easy. Yeah, just a couple more teamwork, coming home to a familiar face, someone to share life with, the good and the bad. Mm. Um, and companionship, someone who knows everything about you and also planning the future, babies, yeah. et cetera. You know, like if, if you're you're in that relationship and you're in it for the long term, mm. you're making plans together, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. And I think making plans together and coming having those sort of shared goals to work towards can make even something that's a really big goal that seems really daunting if you've got someone else to sort of uh, tackle it with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's something really nice about that. Share the load. Yeah. That's it. But we know it's not always rainbows and butterflies. And I've always had this thing. I just, I really hate the portrayal of marriage, like in in pop culture and in Mm. movies around, they they always portray married couples as like sort of loveless and frustrated, falling into the same routines of, Mm. um, of being bored or being, you know, having, not having a fair share of the load and someone's really fed up with the other one or um, they have children and then, you know, life's over, all of that. I just, that really frustrates me because I feel like that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. Or on the flip side, I feel like they kind of show this like fantasy utopia um, where they've got like you know this big amazing mm. house and the beautiful dog and the you know like idyllic sort of family life and yeah that might be like chaotic with kids but they still seem to be you know 
raking in heaps of money yes. and driving around in the you know soccer mum SUV and you know it's kind of like perfect in a way as well so it kind of goes both ways that's it I feel what do you reckon for you is um what are some of the hardest things about being in a long-term relationship or a marriage for you I think sometimes it's when just sort of like the monotony of life Mm. gets in the way you know we kind of I think you know we work we're both working full-time we commute we both commute to the city for work and I feel like sometimes through the week it's like you're kind of on that hamster wheel of just like get up eat sleep sorry sleep eat go to work come home try and get some exercise in cook dinner sleep repeat kind mm-hmm. of thing and I feel like we we tend to fight the most probably midweek and mm-hmm. fight's probably a strong word it's probably more like bicker but I feel like it's often the mornings where we're both trying to get out of the house I I hate a messy space mm-hmm. and so in the morning sometimes if there's just crap lying around it just sets me off and I'm like oh we've got to do this and so much washing to do and everything we just kind of I don't know I feel like the middle middle weeks when just life can be a bit chaotic and um a bit crazy that it can kind of yeah get to us and I feel like sometimes we might get to Thursday or Friday and I feel like we've you know we live together I've, I've seen you every day we've we sleep in the same bed every single night but I feel like we haven't actually spent any mm-hmm. time together or quality time together mm-hmm in a way so yeah I feel like that's probably where we struggle the most yeah that's tricky and those stupid fights about dumb things like the dishwasher oh yeah or putting the dishes <laughs> dirty dishes in the dishwasher when the clean when the dishwasher's right there and empty <laughs> Andrew actually brought something up the other day that he's obviously been stewing on and keeping inside for I don't know how many years but we were, on, we were actually uh, like out for a drink together and he chose that time to bring it up but he was like he's like something just really really annoys me it's when you put dirty dishes in the sink like can you just stack them neatly like beside the sink and I was like what like has this been annoying you I, see I don't like them I like to put them in the sink where you can't see them so much yeah you can pretend they're not you can pretend that you've done the dishes because <laughs> you can't see them and I was like, you've really chosen this time to bring this up and then he's brought it up a couple of times since because it's clearly a habit that I put them in in the sink and he puts them next to the sink he's like can you just stop putting them in the sink <laughs> but I think for me it's probably not feeling close in every moment uh, I guess maybe you haven't had an opportunity to have a lot of quality time together that week. Um, you haven't had a date night in a while. Maybe you haven't had sex for a few days. And I, I just start to um, catastrophize a little bit. I'm like, oh, what's happened to us? Are we um, like, why isn't it um, incredible in every second? Why am I, you know, I think um, if I suppose love languages, you know, words of affirmation, um, physical touch and are important for me. And I know for Andrew, quality time is. Mm. And so I think if some of those things fall down mm. um, and you start to feel a little bit distant, I hate that. I start to panic. I know it's normal, but mm. it's probably something that I um, I struggle with. And, and maybe the pressure around that, like, oh, um, are we doing enough? Are we? How do we measure up compared to others? Um, so that comparison, I suppose, as well. But we actually asked our listeners this mm. um, and got some really, some really good ones. Um, awful, but the breakup. Obviously, a hard part of a long-term relationship is is if they end, and that's um, a reality for a lot of people. And mm. I've got friends, yeah, going through a couple um, through awful breakups, and you know, you, you go from being um, with that person all the time, your lives are so intertwined, and then suddenly you're without them. And I guess that is a huge, you know, new reality. Mm. I think as well, there's something to be said for breaking up the closer or in your 30s or in your late 20s is very different mm. to breaking up in your early 20s or even mid 20s I think I've mm. had a few friends um in the last couple of years who have you know broken up 
after a number of years with someone who they thought was going to be their person mm-hmm. um, and they thought, yep, this is me, I'm, I'm set. And I I can't – I'm very lucky that I haven't – I've never gone through a breakup I've, as part of a long-term relationship. I've been with Sean since I was 19. But I think for, particularly for women breaking up at a later age and there's all this stuff around, you know, the biological clock oh, is ticking and all of these sorts of things. And if it, that is something that you want and you want to have a family, I can imagine going through a breakup at 30 – could feel quite it's you're mm. kind of like well am I going to find someone else in time mm. if I am you know what is my life going to look like it can be really difficult and I even know for myself like if I was if Sean and I were to get a divorce and to break up you know we've been together like I said since I was 19 I don't really remember what mm. my life looked like before he was in it and I'm I don't remember who I was as a person before he was in my life mm-hmm. either because it feels like it's been in some ways it feels like it's been no time at all, but then it, it's been a you know a third of my life mm-hmm. and pretty much my whole adult life. Yeah. It would be so challenging. That's it. And just adjusting to a totally new, I guess, reality and life and finding yourself again, I suppose. Mm. Uh, <laughs> another one I had to laugh at this. They know your poop habits. <laughs> <laughs> I re- actually had someone that used to say the um when they're on holidays with their wife, the only thing they have to talk about because they're spending every – um, waking moment together, seeing all the same things together is literally their poop habits on their holiday. Like and I mean, also, what is it about hotel bathrooms where they're <laughs> often like kind of open and stuff? It's like, the I'm glass sorry. Wall. Yeah, it's like, I'm sorry. Like, have uh, like solid walls are needed. <laughs> I did read something though about apparently that having that level of comfortability is actually good for intimacy as an in, and is an indicator of um, long term relationships that will last. So, interesting I what being know. able to poop in front of each other <laughs> i don't know i can't say I've never that's, done it. A, that's a lot <laughs> maybe like some things you need a little bit of a little bit of uh what do they say boundaries yeah <laughs> boundaries oh, oh my gosh. goodness um effort was another one that came through a few times um and lack of effort i guess that comfortability that we were saying is the best thing can also on the flip side be mm. could be the worst thing in some senses as well if it kind of goes too far because i think yeah, I mean, look, a long-term relationship, anyone who's been in one or is in one would know that, yeah, even what Hollywood has us believe, it's not mm. all sunshine and rainbows the whole time. It, they are difficult and the honeymoon period does wear off. Mm. Um, I think when we were doing some research, there was a psychologist who was saying that, you know, at best, uh, sorry, it typically lasts that honeymoon period, lasts about 18 months, but at best it's about three years. Mm. So at some point it's going to wear off and you fall into you know, what is just normality in life. And if you are too comfortable and not, you know, you do have to put in that effort mm-hmm. to make that other person feel special, to make them feel appreciated. You know, we're all so busy in life. And if you feel like you're not coming home and you're not getting that from, from your partner, that I could imagine that would be really difficult. Absolutely. Or if you feel like you're the one always planning the date night or yes. always organising things or trying to, you know, make things a little bit special. Mm, absolutely. Another one was having to deal with them at their worst. <laughs> the same person <laughs> said, you know, um, what was it, Dilly, um, uh, having like seeing each other at your best, mm. but then also having to – oh, no, no, it was, it was um, being able to be your worst around them. Mm. But then on the flip side, having to deal with them at their worst. Yeah. <laughs> and the stuff we have to – all of us have to put up with. They have to put up with us. We have to put up with them in yeah. those moments where we're just not our best well, selves. It's give and take, right? Yeah. Um, less firsts was another one. You know, the mm. first date, the first kiss. And I think um, for me, I, I feel like they'll never be – I'll never run out of first because, you know, travel, going to see things together, doing new things together that's a big part um a big important thing for me and for us in our relationship um 
but yeah, it's probably also that you know honeymoon phase, those those first moments together where you're doing first things, um, mm. which are exciting and um, give you those butterflies or those those exciting you know first moments. Mm. I always feel that feel like that when I think about our wedding because mm-hmm. it was that was such an exciting time. Like you know you get engaged with exciting we had an engagement party which is super exciting then you do like your hens day and your bucks and it's so exciting and then the, your wedding day is like the happiest day of my life and then you kind of go oh I'm never going to like I see other people getting married I'm like you just don't know how good it's going to be like it's yes. so exciting to go through this whole phase and then when it's over you kind of think back and it's like oh what else do we have sometimes but, I wish I could go and get married again yeah. I'm like oh the wedding like we did that it's already done yeah and I felt like I mean I suppose we're probably kind of young I think I was 27 28 and we got married mm. and I'm like man there wasn't any rush to do it but like because I, I think that's just comes from a place of being like I don't get to do it again though yeah <laughs> so I kind of get that less first thing like it yeah I was watching this uh I think it was a reel the other day and I can't remember who it was and I could not find it when I was trying to <laughs> doing this um, episode plan but it was talking around um talking about how people chase that thrill of um I suppose the thrill of the chase of that initial starting to text, you know, or starting Mm. to go on first dates, all of that. And actually um, a lot of those butterflies and feelings you experience actually come from a stress response in the body because you're anxious and you're nervous and it's it's not, you know, good and bad nerves, but it's actually, you know, your body experiencing stress. And then as you start to feel more comfortable, that goes away because you're comfortable, which is wonderful. Um, Mm. But then we think, oh, the spark's gone. But the spark is actually stress. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but also I guess not always, you know, those butterflies will go away. And I guess something I find um, is almost the rubber band effect or the peaks and troughs where mm. you have moments where um, everything does feel like, you know, lovey-dovey and happy and you're so close and you're not fighting and you feel super connected. And then there's times where you're just a bit more apart, a bit more distant, you're both tired, you're busy. Um, and there's, I guess... You know, it doesn't feel like the intimacy um, is there as much as it has been, or and then, but then you sort of, sort of come back. Mm. I, I find that. Do you do you experience that at all? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a pretty common thing that most people would experience. I mean, look, it's not. Also, it's one of those things that it's like you know, if you were never sad, you'd never know what happiness feels like. Mm. So it's kind of, I think they're just two ends of two halves of the same. Mm. Um, sides of the same coin I don't know what analogy (laughs) I'm trying to use but I kind of feel like if you didn't have those troughs where you're Mm -hmm. feeling a little bit further apart you wouldn't appreciate those times where you're feeling connected and you know really intimate Mm. as much so and I think as well it's not it's not practical to be in that state all of the time (laughs) but I think when you are not experiencing that or you are going through one of those more distant periods of time I think that's where communication becomes really really important yeah Exactly. Yeah. And um, maybe vocalising that's how you're feeling. Like yeah. I, I did that recently and I think it was probably more around um, Andrew's um, uh, now working like a shift work kind of a roster and it makes it really difficult. Like you're not on the same schedules mm. and um, like he did a week of nights and so hardly saw him sleeping during the days off at night shift. He's so tired that, you know, having a coherent conversation is um, next to impossible <laughs> and like you'll have a conversation and then he'll be like, did we talk about that? I'm like, yeah, we did, but it was night shift. So, um, mm. and then he's doing afternoon. So he's gone at like 1 PM and not back till um, depending on when he finishes like 11 or 12 and I'm asleep. And so you have mm. that, you miss that evening time together where mm. it's normally where we probably spend the most time where we'll have dinner and um, play a game or watch a movie or whatever. Um, and 
I was starting to feel like really distant. Like it probably goes back to what I was saying at the start. I start to panic a little bit. I'm mm. like, oh gosh, we haven't had time together. And I know it's fine, but in my head I start and I can get really down about it and stressed about it. And um, I basically vocalised that to Andrew and then like he started to make a lot more of an effort. And so I guess it is that um, communication. And then we, you know, set aside some time to spend together and we've gone for a couple of walks and just those little things you can do that can just reconnect you. I think that's super important. Mm. Yeah, what's, what have we got up next? Uh, we were just going to talk about how um, it can be tricky. I think in a long-term relationship, we can begin to expect too much from each other and also rely on each other wholly for each other's happiness mm-hmm. and how dangerous that can be and how it's important that we're whole or that we're individuals um, outside of the relationship mm-hmm. and outside of the marriage and not fused um, together. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's so important that your two whole individuals who come together and are almost like better together in the sense that you bring out the best in each other. Complement each other. Yeah, but you also, you know, that person is able to give you something that you don't have when you need it. So like Sean and I always say that, you know, it's it's like to say there's an opportunity or something that you want to go for, but you're maybe lacking the confidence mm. or that reassurance. So it's like that person should be pushing you yes. to, to help you be better. But it doesn't mean that if you – but you can also stand on your own two feet as an individual. So if something happened and you broke up or you lost that person, you know, that, that can happen, that you're still – You would be okay. Yeah, well, you would still be whole. Mm. And I, I think as well it's a really safe place to be in a relationship because there's – you know, I think we all know people who have been in long-term relationships and they're not great. Mm. Um, I'm sure everyone has someone in their life or has, has you know, heard from a friend of a friend about something like that. And it's kind of like if you don't feel whole and secure in yourself, then how do you know to be able to walk away from a relationship if it's no longer what you need or it's not giving you what you need? And also there, yeah, if they are filling a hole in you, if you, you feel mm. like you're going to them to get um, validation mm. or, you know, you feel too insecure to do stuff outside of them, yeah. I think that can be really yeah. um, dangerous. Or They're there to be your supporter and your biggest advocate mm. and your encourager but they shouldn't be they shouldn't be there to to fill a hole in yourself that you because that's that's not a fair ask of another person yeah and it, it it's, I think you're kind of destined for failure at that point mm-hmm. we also asked our listeners what's the best advice you've ever received so we got a couple of good ones um trust your gut was one of them yeah I, I can see that it's like I think there is kind of like this instinctual feeling that you, you know mm. if something's right or if something isn't right. Yeah. And I think you know pretty quickly. Yeah. Like I feel like there's those very first few weeks that I met Sean, it was kind of like, okay, this is different to yes. anything else. I was the same. I'd been in a long-term relationship um, prior to Andrew and kind of assumed we would get married. It was just something that we thought, you know, oh, I guess that's down the track. And I just was like, oh, I don't feel ready yet. I don't feel ready yet. I think I'll – I guess it'll just happen in time. I'll, mm. you know, I'll reach a point where I'm ready. And then within like, it was, it was weeks with like, I don't even know, like not that long at all with Andrew. And I'm like, I want to marry this man. And Mm. I just had never, didn't have a shred of doubt in my mind or in my gut, I guess. Um, And that was really, for me, really affirming. Cause I was like, oh, I I thought the whole, when you know, you know, thing is just a bit of BS, but I was Mm. like, wait, no, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think it definitely is. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, I, I, I know that for a lot of people, sometimes it isn't like instantaneous. Like love at first sight. I don't know. I feel like with Sean it kind of was in mm. a way, but I also know that's not the reality for a lot of yeah. couples. You know, people are friends first and then that develops into more or whatever. But I do think once you, you sort of reach a point where you kind of go, okay, this is either my person or they're not. Yeah. 
And it's about then having, I guess, the the confidence to either continue or to yep. pull back. Leave it where it needs to stay. Mm. <laughs> um, what? Okay, contentious. We got going to bed angry, like never going to bed angry. Yeah. I think I, you and I disagree a little bit yes. on this one. <laughs> so I disagree here because I was always a big advocate for this. Um, mm. Never go to bed angry, solve everything. Um, you know, what is it? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm. I've come to realise that this is not always the best approach Mm. and you know sometimes when you're lying in bed at night and it's late and it's dark and everything seems worse than it is and you're having a stupid fight Mm. and you go round and round in circles and you can't resolve it and sometimes it's better to say okay can we park this like I love you but we're not getting anywhere we need to sleep Mm. and then in the morning oh my goodness the amount of times we've woken up and we will be like I'm so sorry I love you that was stupid yeah like fresh and you've had sleep and you've got fresh perspective um i just think the pressure to resolve things is not always healthy in that moment and the you know the world's not going to end if you go to sleep and things are not resolved but i do also struggle with it because i'm someone that likes to resolve things and you're someone that can park something and be like let's just drop it i'm like we cannot drop it i have to i have to work through this now and that can that actually sometimes doesn't serve us yeah i think in a way you kind of are still not going to bed on an argument. Like I put this in my – I had this in my wedding vows. Mm. I was like to never go to sleep on yep. an argu- with an argument. Oh, gosh, you can never not then. <laughs> um, but I don't think when in saying that, and kind of like what you said, I don't think it means that it has to be like fully resolved. Like you've talked it out, you've heard each other's both sides and you've like solved, mm. sorted out whatever the issue was. But it's about, you know, going to bed and at least having the courage to say I'm sorry or – I love you or something just to kind of bookmark it, I guess, in a way. Yeah. So it's kind of like you've you've parked it but you've not like yelled at each other, yelled at each other and then just hopped into bed and just ignored each other mm-hmm. for the rest of the night. You've kind of, I don't know, put like yeah. a pause on it to a degree. And half the time I feel like we would then wake up the next morning and we're like, we'll say sorry again or whatever. But we, we rarely probably Delve talk it all through. <laughs> because I feel like majority of the arguments that we have, we just bicker over stupid things. Mm. Like they're not that deep Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah, and actually that's a really good point because there have been times where we haven't bookmarked it where – oh, something <laughs> – just sorry, I just thought of this because it, um, it's directly relevant. I will lie there and like seethe or like cry uh, or be up – or like I, I stew on it whereas Andrew can literally just go to sleep. Yeah. So I think the bookmarking is important because yeah. without it I – and there's my brain catastrophizing again and I'm like what is happening we, we have to resolve yeah. this what's wrong with our relationship um so yeah I think I think the bookmark or doing something to you know at least tell each other you love each other yeah so I was talking to a friend yesterday and she was talking about um she saw something around how when you're having an argument you should just hug for however many seconds it is mm. and it like how hard is it to be angry with someone when you're hugging and yeah. you know the oxytocin is flowing whatever yeah. um but also how hard is it to be the person to extend that olive branch when you're angry and you're in the middle of an argument yeah it's like you've got the other person it's like you've upset me you can be the one to hug me and tell me that you know yeah. you're sorry i struggle with that well, sometimes sean and i will be in an argument and like, I don't know, sometimes we'll get to the point where one of us is like really angry and the other person is just kind of like, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> yes. And then it's kind of like you end up saying something and then they just kind of end up laughing. Yes. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, it does. Sometimes I sit there and I try to like throw shade and <laughs> grizzle at him and then he's just looking at me like, you know, he gives me this look and then I just can't help but laugh. Two things though. If they laugh when – if he laughs when I'm angry, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's not a good thing. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Take me seriously, damn it. No, but agreed. I find that we, um, when we have fights, when things escalate, it's usually if we're both tired and grumpy. Mm. Most of the time, maybe eight times out of ten, 
if one of us is okay and the other one's upset, tired, grumpy, whatever, and they're getting annoyed about something, mm-hmm. the other person can diffuse it mm. and laugh it off, say mm-hmm. something silly, totally diffuse mm-hmm. the situation. Uh, the issues happen when we're both not in a good headspace. Yeah, and we start. I would agree with that. Yep, and we both react, and we, it, you know, it escalates from there. Mm-hmm. But. Um, a lot of the time, I think we've learned that humor and um, making light of it can really just diffuse the situation. But usually, it's it's one or the other of us are in, are in different places, and I think that's yeah. that's probably when it works the best. Yeah, and I think it just comes back to that whole idea of like clear communication, which was the next piece of advice that we were given. I think we've touched on this a little bit before, but I just think yeah, being able to clearly communicate and articulate how you're feeling, and I think as well tell the other person what it is that's upset you mm. in a way that's not accusatory oh, yes. or, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes we can all, when, when we're angry, use a bit more colourful, emotive <laughs> totally. language. But I think that clear communication is, it's not always easy, but it's so important. Totally. And I don't know if you struggle with this, but I find when I bring something up with Andrew and probably if I'm doing it out of frustration, um, he takes that as an attack and mm. he's like, well, I'm sorry, I never do the, anything for you. It's like, no, I'm bringing up uh, one thing. Yes. It's like, let me – but then I'll probably – I want to talk it through and, and he would he would say go on about it. In my mind, I'm um, trying to talk something through and, and cl- clearly communicate this to him and why it's upset me and, and et cetera. Um, but that's something I think we need to work on, in the, mm. being able to bring up feedback without the other person reacting. But also being able to receive feedback. Yep, yep. totally. And I know we both do it, but it can be so tricky because you can feel attacked. And I think the, the, pick your moment and pick mm. the way you bring it up. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think uh, another one also, though, is the needing to prioritise quality time. Mm. And what did you say? Never stop dating. Yeah, I think that's the idea. It's like, yeah, never, you know, it is it is work. There, mm. it, it is it takes effort and I think it, there's nothing more I know for me there's nothing that makes me for, feel more appreciated than if I you know if I come home I'm my love language in a lot of ways is acts of service <laughs> yes. I, I feel kind of ashamed saying that <laughs> but I there's nothing I, I hate I hate a messy cluttered space so if I've been out all, all week all day for something and I come home and Sean's like made an effort to make sure like the kitchen is tidy and the dishes are done or whatever. Like that to me, it's kind of like, oh, he's thought about me and me coming home and being able to then relax and enjoy our time together. And so, yeah, he's always like, you just want me to be a slave. (laughs) He says that jokingly. We do not mean that. But it's just that whole idea of, I think, and I think knowing each other's love languages is a really, like people might say, oh, they're a bit like wishy-washy and whatever. But I think there is something to be said for it. Oh, totally. And I think um, we receive love and give love in different ways. Different ways, ways. yeah. And I think it's so important to Mm -hmm. recognise when that other person is actually showing you love. So Andrew's, the way he would give love is acts of service. Like he Mm. does just about everything for me, which is amazing. Um, But... And then he, I'll be getting upset because he hasn't come and given me a hug in however long. Mm. But then he's been doing the dishes and cleaning the kitchen and I need to recognise that when he's doing that, he's sh- – and then I'll, I'll get upset and then he, he'll get upset because he's like, yeah, but I've done all this for you. Yeah. And it's like, but I'm not recognising that or receiving that as love. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. Maybe we could do a whole episode on love languages. I think we should. I think, there's a, I think we could delve into that. Um, I saw – look, it was a random insert fact real thing, but even if it's remotely true and I can see it being um, – probably indicative of a, of a lot of relationships but it says mm. the average married couple spends 2.5 hours a day together 50 minutes watching tv 30 minutes eating 24 minutes doing housework and then it sort of said let's not be average mm. um but i'm like that's like what you're talking about at the start that you fall into that um those routines and you just you know 
on the um, hamster, hamster wheel, wheel or whatever it's life. called. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess it's just that, in, like, the need to prioritise that and, like, oh, we'll always try and um, have a date night uh probably every, every week or every second week we go out or otherwise it's cooked together at home, do something at home. Mm. I mean, we would we don't have kids, you know. We cook together every night. We mm. go for walks. We do stuff together every day. On day he's starting, if I'm working from home and he's um, starting later, we'll go out for coffee in the morning or things like that. And I think just little moments like that, you know, they go such a long way and you can see yep. why when those fall to the wayside and maybe, you know, you can see probably if people have children and it may, it, different circumstances, it's harder and harder to, mm. to make that work. But like you said, it is work and I think it's – Hugely important. And I think as well, it doesn't have to be a huge time investment because, you know, sometimes, okay, that 50 minutes watching TV, if you're both watching a show together yes. that you're both really enjoying and loving and mm. it's something that's something you do, that could be quite a connecting experience. Yeah. But it could also be, you know, maybe it's the first 20 minutes when you get home or taking the time to not eat your dinner in front of the TV oh, but yeah. sit at the table and eat dinner together and talk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, About your day. Yeah, it doesn't have to be long. Or I even know for Sean and I, often we, we live quite close to the train station, so in the mornings when we're both going to the office, we'll walk to mm-hmm. the station. Even just the walk to the station yep. and chatting. And we might get a coffee, and if we get there a bit early, sometimes we'll sit and have our coffee before we get on the, on mm-hmm. the train. Like, again, it's only 15 or 20 minutes of our morning. And then we always get on the train and we'll listen to a podcast or whatever because it's so awkward to talk on the train <laughs> in the mornings when everyone's like everyone's dead quiet. silent. <laughs> but it's just those little things. And I feel like if we start the day like that, then – it just sets us up so much better mm-hmm. for the rest of the day ahead. And then, you, yeah, you've had that point of connection yeah. and you don't feel as – yeah. it makes a difference. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you feel connected then throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And we – I mean, we text <laughs> from, from the moment we've started, like, dating. We just text each other continuously throughout the day and we're apart. Like, not every second. And, like, mm. when we're at work, we can't always respond. But we generally have – a text message conversation just going at all times or mm. Snapchat, we send each other reels, all these things. We're, we're usually communicating when we're apart mm. as well, which um, for me I really like. And I know not everyone will, you know, do that or like that. But for mm. us, I like that. Uh, we also we asked our listeners, what's the worst relationship advice you've ever received? Oh, well, one of the t- top comments was relationships are 50-50, which mm. I feel like could be a little bit controversial. Because on so. the surface – it seems like 50-50, that's what you should be striving for. But I think it's about, it's not 50-50 all the time. Mm-hmm. I would say that on average, I feel like relationships should be 50-50. Absolutely, yeah. Um, overall. But some days that might look like 80-20. Mm-hmm. And being upfront with each other about uh, how much you're able to give at that time. I've seen some people, I think Brene Brown talks about this and she, her and husband will literally, he'll be like, look, I'm at 20 today. She's like, cool, I've got the 80. I'm going to do this, this and this. Mm. Um, I mean, that's it's something we can all strive for. I think it's probably more tricky than it sounds. And when yeah. you're at 20, you might not have the What capacity. if you both have 20? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. And there's going to be times where you literally just have to both, you know, suck it up a bit. But um, I think as long as you're both coming at it with the mindset of um, we're both here to give, you know, as, uh, well, I always think it should be like 100, 100. To be a hundred, hundred, like yeah. it should be a hundred, both in it, a hundred percent. Sometimes that's not feasible, though. Not at all, no. All the time. I like the idea of it, like as in you're in the relationship a hundred percent, but you know you're not always going to be able to give that. I suppose. Yeah, there was a reel as well the other day that I saw that was around, um, especially, and I think it probably pertains more to um, when you've got kids, but the whole idea of like that you were married first, mm-hmm. and. You know, making sure that your your kids are safe and happy and healthy obviously mm. takes priority all the time. And I don't have children, so again, take what I'm saying with mm. a bit of a grain of salt. But you know, that is something that Sean and I would like to have in the future. And I guess when I we talk about it quite a lot, and it's around like how do we how do we want 
like how do we want to enter into that and obviously when it happens you know it's going to look very I'm sure it's going to look very differently (laughs) to what we're sort of idealizing that it will be like but that idea that you know you were married first and that you know you do want to also be making sure that you're putting that effort into that side of your life just as much as you are into your family or into your work Mm -hmm. into other things and not sometimes that can be the first thing that kind of falls by the wayside Mum always said to us growing up and it used to upset me so much as a kid because I was like how can you say that to us she would explain it that dad comes first and then comes us Mm. and I was like you're our mum like how can you say I totally get it now though I'm like no yeah yeah, dad was first that relationship has to come first and by committing to that and modeling that marriage you know like Mm. I feel like you've put that time in fill that bucket first then you've got more to give Mm. to your children I mean she said look it's 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 marginal like we you know love you so much but like this relationship is is important and putting it on that pedestal I guess but it's also like a foundation that everything Mm. else can like you're sharing a life together based on that commitment you've made to each other so therefore whether you have children or whether it's just your careers or that whatever it may be that Mm. else that kind of comes in it's like you've got to make sure that foundation is strong and healthy because then it's kind of that whole idea that if you can't give from pour from an empty cup Mm. kind of thing so you have to make sure that you're and you know, especially when you're giving so much of yourselves to others or to, to work or to family or to kids or whatever it may be, that, you know, you do need to be making the effort to make sure you're both nurturing each other so that mm-hmm. you're then able to do that for everyone else. Yeah, that's it. I like that. Uh, another one was happy wife, happy life. And then the, um, the comment that compromise is important. Yeah. That's just like a silly kind of... I mean, sure, we're happy. That's if we're happy, that's great. But like, it should also be happy husband. Like, I mean, yeah, we should both be happy. And it's that idea that, like, yeah, you can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm going to give up what I want within reason," hmm. uh, just to make someone else in the relationship happy. That's not. That's yeah, not fair. That's not, not a equal. healthy, happy relationship, is it? No. Um, other one I thought about is more not so much examples. Um, sorry, not so much um, advice, but like social norms or examples some of us may have been set in terms of growing up with the wives doing everything at home for their husbands, the man having to be a breadwinner. Um, cool, that might work for some people and some people might love that. Um, but I think that's changed a lot and it's individual to each relationship. But that stigma around can't be a stay-at-home dad or the woman earning more, like mm. I think it's so ridiculous and and we need to totally drop that I mean we should have that already but I think there's probably still some of that that sticks around relationships look so much more different today than they did say Mm. 30 even 20 years ago yeah I think and I just think you know the financial pressures things are so much more expensive now it's not always feasible for Mm. one parent to work and one parent to stay home like it's just not possible for so many people yeah so I guess and on that we spoke about also home life balance with things like chores and we did ask our um ask our listeners about this like have you got the balance right do you think I should um I yeah probably disclaimer I my friends call Andrew a unicorn because he's (laughs) like I don't know where that comes from but he's incredible in terms of everything at home um Mm. or everything in any aspect of our life our lives I think you know if I ask for something he'll do it or he'll just do it before I ask and he pulls his weight in every area Mm. and it's not to mention I think there's thing around like have you seen those reels and it's like when your husband cleans something but it's not your level of clothes oh, so you yes. have to re-clean it so I mean we have things like that and mm. I'm like you didn't wipe the bench or like stupid little things like that but on the whole I think we have a pretty good um well I have it pretty good <laughs> Andrew does a lot and I know but Sean pulls his weight as well doesn't yeah he? he does and I yeah I think we sort of fall into the more so he does more of the outside stuff mm. definitely I do more probably more of the inside stuff but also I am I work from home more so mm. therefore I have a little bit more time to do those sorts of things yeah. but yeah we try to keep it to keep it balanced yeah for sure 
And I guess yeah. I'm loath to mention the mental load, but, you know, it is a thing for a lot of people. Mm. And um, a couple of our comments we received was one was recognising the emotional labour um, mm. that that she does and adjusting or trying to adjust chores accordingly uh, so that that is more in balance. Yeah. Because um, I think there's a lot of stuff that we do, you know, that whole idea of like the household organiser. Mm. And again, I think the mental load is – we'll have to do a whole we'll episode, episode on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a thing for sure. Um, someone else said household chores, definitely. Other mental load-related chores like kids' schedules, et cetera, no. Even just family schedules. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even have kids, but even like the amount of times Sean will say to me, do we have anything on this day? And it's like – Always the calendar. You know, and they always have yeah, to ask so seven We times. need to get a joint calendar. We did speak <laughs> about this the other day. <laughs> this is something we'll literally be like, like, what are we doing tomorrow? I'm like this. I told you this. No, you didn't. I'm like remember we talked about it and I asked you this. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. they don't have to like carry it. We have to carry it in our heads yeah. sometimes more. And this is – I mean, this is just our, our experience. And mm. um, obviously Andrew pulls his weight so much in all areas. But like yeah. little things like that, I feel like often, it, you know, we can carry that. Um, someone else just said no. The chore balance is not equal. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, someone else said this is contentious. Rarely will this be fair, mm. quote unquote, for us. It's never 50-50, but it's also not a problem. Mm. So I think depending, like I've got a couple of friends whose um, husbands are farmers and they're, you know, out farming a lot in the paddock a lot. And so they do the lion's share of the household work, the kids, um, the cooking, all of that, and that works for them. Mm. But I suppose it is pretty individual. I think it's about to come into a place that, feels balanced for you and mm. what that looks like and so long as one person isn't feeling resentful of the other oh, yes i think that's where the the issues can arise but it, this is going to look different for everyone yeah totally so um send us your feedback though if you've um how do you find that balance works or doesn't work we'd love to hear it obviously this is just our our experience and our perspective um finally we just want to touch on conflict conflict resolution um I like not coming back to the same issues and dealing with them and moving forward. Yeah. I think that can be that's a big one for us. Yeah, we always try to say that we never want to have the same argument more than once. Do you find you do though? Because I feel like we have the same silly cycle of <sighs> we do, but I f- I feel like not often. So probably maybe not maybe like we probably wouldn't have it more than like twice or three times. Mm-hmm. But we also don't really like. I, I suppose we'll probably fight. This is the exception. Like, I suppose we fight over, like, who hasn't folded the washing. Yes. Like, multiple times because that's – but I don't really put that as, like, a fight mm-hmm. per se. It's, like, not a – it's just a – we're just bicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we have, like, a true argument about, like, a deep, more deep-seated issue, we really do try to make sure that we talk and we work through it so that way it doesn't keep coming back up. Mm-hmm. So then for every time you have a fight about something small, you then end up right back in that issue. And I feel like if you can't get over – if you're having the same fights – over and over and over again then that's probably the sign of something deeper Mm -hmm. like where is that actually coming from (laughs) where's the root cause of that um i've got friends that um do uh couples or marriage counseling just as a form of relationship maintenance Mm. and you know it gives you the tools i suppose to deal with um conflict and and sort through things and i feel like there's probably a lot to be said for that you know we'll have a um personal trainer or a nutrition coach or whatever Mm. else but when it comes to um you know, just having a therapist for your, for your mind and then also for your relationship. I think there's a lot to be said. So I've thought yeah. about that also. But yeah. there's a lot of stigma there, isn't there? It's like, oh, we're a couple's yeah, counselling. No would need to know. But I think it's also about that, having that person who's totally impartial, who can mm. hear both sides and sort of come from a rational place, who doesn't isn't burdened down by everything. Because you might talk to your friends or, yeah. you know, whatever. But 
they're sort of they know you, they know your partner, they kind mm. of know your situation. So it's always coming at they've got a, some sort of position of bias. Yeah, but I think yeah, having a, a counselor or someone in between, even if you're not going through some significant issues, yeah. it probably just could be if you're going through like a major life change, maybe you just had a child or mm. you've you've moved to a new place or there's something that's put a stress on. I can see how it would be super beneficial. Yeah, totally. And like I said about the stigma, like it, there shouldn't be the stigma. Though. I'm saying that it's like it's, yeah. it's frustrating because it's like how is that? You know, you have a have a <clears throat> part of me like a um, personal trainer to coach you physically, but like why not apply the same sort of logic to your relationship in your mind? Definitely, probably something I should look into. But the idea of it is kind of like scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we also had down for here is the idea of like never stop dating because yes. I think. When you have that time to spend together, I know we've touched on this already in this episode, but when you are making that conscious effort to spend time together on a semi-regular basis mm. that's just for you, then you have time to talk about – because often over din- over the dinner table you'll have conversations about different things or life or work or money or careers or whatever it might, might be and you sort of inadvertently end up working out some things mm-hmm. that you might have conflict, quote-unquote, um, with. But because you're sort of in a calm state, you're mm-hmm. – you know, it's enjoyable, it's pleasant. You're able to approach those things with so much more compassion mm-hmm. and empathy for each other's points of view. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all we have time for today, but thank you so much for coming along and listening. And as we said at the start, um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please um, like it, give us a rating on um, on your platform and share it with a friend. Uh, follow us on our social media and send us your feedback. Uh, we just love to hear it. Yeah, and if you have any other like relationship tips or tricks or advice, we might put a story up on our Instagram the day this goes live. So mm. we'd love to hear it. But thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. The Brunch Files would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live, meet, work and play, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and, of course, any First Nations peoples who may be listening today. This podcast is all about the adventures, stories and laughs of being a woman in her 30s. While we strive to entertain and share relatable experiences, please remember that our content is purely for fun and shouldn't be taken too seriously and it's definitely not professional advice. Life is a wild ride and everyone's journey is unique. We believe that laughter is the best policy and we're just here to spread some joy. Oh,